Hey, guess what? Looking Up is about to start. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one It is a beautiful, or as Danny would say, a delicious Wednesday afternoon. Absolutely amazing weather. Hope that you have been enjoying it. And if you haven't yet, get outside if you can and enjoy the beautiful weather that we are experiencing today in Newcastle. Um, hope that you have had a wonderful week thus far. You are listening to the Looking Up show uh, that is usually with Danny and Sharissa. I'm filling in for Danny. And at the moment, Sharissa is literally running around the corner. 
um, because uh, we will be leading out in the show today. And so we're going to be sharing some headlines and seeing how they fill into Bible prophecy and um, how they point us to the, the soon return of Jesus, as well as taking a look at uh, the next part in our series that we're doing, our Bible study called Climate and the Christian. And so stay tuned. Here is the regular. <laughs> Hello, love. You have a little baby you were caring for, and so everyone understands why you're a few minutes uh, late. It's no excuse, really, but uh, it sounds like you've told them everything they need to know. <laughs> I think so, and we still have a little bit of time to share. So how's Judah doing? <laughs> He's doing really well. Um, he woke up and he was crying. That's why I'm, I'm a little bit late. Oh, but. Poor little guy. Yeah. Will. So you've told everybody what we're talking about today? Just a little bit. I, I told them it's part three. Well, I said it's the final part of our Climate and the Christian series, but I didn't tell them anything about what it's about. Oh, okay. Or even the title of like this particular study. This one is called The Final Crisis Climate Connection. Okay. So the Bible describes the final crisis in Earth's history, and we're going to see together today how there is a connection to climate that is really shaping up and becoming very clear. And so absolutely fascinating. And uh, you'll want to stay tuned for that one. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing what we have to study together today. I'm looking forward to our Bible study. And I know our listeners are too, because they are faithful. And we hear from them from time to time. We know there's more than one of you out there, <laughs> which is exciting. Uh, but if you have any comments or questions that you would like to send through to today's Bible study, we'd love to hear from you. You can text your comments to 048817624. And even prayer requests, we'd love to hear those too. Did you tell them about the website? No. All right. So if you want to go and check out last time's episode, which was a very good one too, set the foundation for us, you simply go to faithfm.com.au and you can Go to the Looking Up show there and you can find it there as a podcast. Or you could download the app. Which would be even better. And you can do the same thing there. And you, you can have good connections as you drive. Well, we're going to listen to Fountain View Academy Orchestra and Singers right now bring to us this song, Holy, Holy is What the Angels Sing. And I have a feeling it's going to be a beautiful song. There is singing up in heaven such as we have never known. Where the angels sing the praises of the Lamb upon the throne. Their sweet hearts are ever cheerful and their voices always clear. Oh, that we might be more like them while we serve the Master here. To help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption's story, they will fold their wings. For angels never felt the joys that our salvation brings. But I hear another anthem blending voices clear and strong. Unto him who tribulations to this land so fair and bright in the fountain freely flowing he hath made our garments white holy 
help and make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption's story, they will fold their wings. For angels never felt the joys that our salvation brings. Then the angels stand and listen, for they cannot join that song. Like the sound of many waters by that happy blood-washed throng. For they sing about great trials, battles fought and victories won. And they praise their great Redeemer who hath said to them, Well done. So although I'm not an angel yet, I know that over there, I will join a blessed chorus that the angels cannot share. I will sing about my Savior who upon dark Calvary freely pardoned my transgressions, died to set a sinner free. heavenly sound that was the fountain view academy singers and orchestra and i have to say i've actually been to fountain view academy there in the foothills of british columbia it's a you beautiful sp- spot you spoke for their graduation one year did once and it was it's just a beautiful beautiful place well uh before we keep moving i need to make our listeners aware of something very exciting we have five giveaways so the first five people who text in today's code word will receive this amazing little book. It's called Plants That Heal. Before there were drugs, there was nature. How appropriate. It's written by George, and I'm just going to say George. He's got a long last name, <laughs> Dr. George Pomplona. Okay, never mind. Most people in the world get their medicine from field and forest. Now you can too, thanks to this treasury of valuable information about nature's pharmacy. Full of beautiful photographs, this book unlocks the secrets of the rich tradition of natural remedies and plants that heal the body and invigorate the mind. This, this really sounds like an excellent book. So if you want to get your hands on it, be listening. We'll release the code word a little bit later in today's program and the number to text that to will be 04-888-17624. And while we're at it, if you have anything you'd like to contribute comments-wise, we'd love to hear from you, 04-888-17624. Well, Justin, uh, we have so much to talk about today, as we always do. don't even know where to start, do we? We don't. I have a few ideas. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, look, a friend of ours has sent through an article just today um, we're coming, of course, this is Wednesday, the 24th of May, 2023, and today in the news was a headline that read this. The next pandemic, even deadlier than COVID, who, uh, than COVID is coming, warns the WHO. Mm. 
Now, that just does a lot to really lift the spirits, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, we've just come out of a huge pandemic that uh, was so testing and trying on everybody in many different ways. Um, and so this is, uh, I guess, a little bit of something to make people feel a bit fearful. Um, but let me read to you a bit more. The, the head of the WHO, that's the World Health Organization, has warned the world must prepare for the next pandemic, which could be, quote, even deadlier than the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is, it goes on, it says, the threat of another variant emerging that causes new surges of disease and death remains, and the threat of another pathogen emerging with even deadlier potential remains. You know, these are all just, I mean, they don't make us feel at ease, definitely, in this yeah, world. Give us a break, please. But they remind us that this world is just, is not our final home. That's right. And every disease that affects a person, every disease that gets developed in nature or otherwise that spreads, it reminds us that Jesus' words that these pestilences would be a sign that his coming is near. That's it's right. making us homesick for heaven because in heaven and the new earth, there's not going to be any disease, is there? Uh, no, we won't know ourselves. Yeah, it says <laughs> in Isaiah, it says in the book of Isaiah that the inhabitant, no inhabitant will say, I am sick. That's right. And so, yeah, amazing that these things can point us forward to that beautiful time and cause us to look up, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. Amen. You just quoted a beautiful text, and I'll read it for our listeners. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-four, and the Bible says, And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Mm. So not only will we not be sick, but we will have a peace of mind because our sins, our iniquities will be forgiven. That's something that brings great peace, having a clear conscience before God. Mm. Beautiful. Well, makes you homesick for a place you've never been to, a place that God has promised to all those who love him. And that's why we have the Looking Up program, because we recognize this world's a mess and we want to be ready for this wonderful home that God is preparing for all them that love him. We have more um, reasons why we should look forward to heaven. And here's another one. This also was sent through. My sister sent this through actually just this afternoon. Um, this is a news article from yesterday. And it's, uh, it says, a monster typhoon is barreling toward a U.S. territory with deadly winds and dangerous storm surge. Again, Guam. Uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, barreling toward Guam early oh, Wednesday, Guam. threatening to slam into the U.S. territory as the strongest storm there in decades. Actually, both you and I have been there. Yeah, to Guam. that's right. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Uh, let me keep reading. The typhoon, which strengthened rapidly in recent days, is posing a triple threat of devastation, including deadly winds equivalent to at least a Category 4 hurricane, exceptional storm surge, and torrential rainfall, according to the National Weather Service office in Guam. Mm. Ah, this world. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, this world. And so we must uh, remember our friends in Guam uh, in prayer. It would be very, very um, kind of nerve-wracking for Definitely. the locals that are there. So Definitely. let's remember them in prayer as well. Well, uh, did you have anything you want to share or shall I? Do you remember how to say hello in, in Chamorro, the language of Guam? Half a day. Yeah, hey, <laughs> half, half a day. Half a day. I remember it because it's like g'day but half yeah, that's right. Half a good day. Half a day. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Did you have an article you wanted to share about? Yeah. Uh, you know, there are a lot of articles I'm going to be sharing in our, our mm -hmm. study time today. Mm -hmm. um, but besides that, um, there are a few things that popped up in the news that can kind of point us to the, the status of society and remind us that 
yeah, that Jesus coming is around the corner. Um, I actually just learned today that in the state of Victoria, um, the Parliament House was used um, for a drag story time, like a drag queen story really? time. The, the Parliament children. House. Parliament House, Victoria Parliament House. It was attended by the Premier and Premier. Premier yeah. American, uh, the premier, yep, who, who made his premiere at the. <laughs> Anyways, so so over a million, I think it was a, almost a million and a half dollars spent on this. <sighs> Kids as young as three years old were there, wow. and the story that was read was about a homosexual couple, from what I I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's you know this is something that. It's really disturbing, and people, even trans and LGBT, well, LGBTQ people and trans uh, individuals, many of them are kind of sounding the alarm on this one, like, mm. not this event, but these kinds of things where drag queen story times are happening, where there are, like, uh, adult performers that used to be in strip clubs that are being, you know present around three-year-olds and and young children. And a lot of people, even in that community, are saying this is unacceptable Mm -hmm. because it's the grooming of children and it's it's the sexualization of children, which is, um, you know, pushing society in a definitely in a wrong direction. And so the fact that it wasn't only hosted where it was hosted, but that there were government officials there, um, yeah, it's it's sad and it's concerning and it shows where our society is and you know, where we seem to be heading. Yeah, it's a real indication of the morality or the moral temperature of our society today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, that's a that's a good story that you've uh, shared with us. There. Well, very, not such a well, good one. Well, it's not a good one, but it's a, it's a very relevant yeah. <laughs> one for today. Um, I've got uh, another one here. Uh, This one is an interesting one. This is also from today. And it says, France imposes travel ban to fight climate change. Mm. There's a picture of an airplane on it, which uh, made me um, look more closely. But basically, France has enforced its ban on short-haul flights, which can be completed by train in under two and a half hours. Mm. Wow. So this is all to try and encourage people to um, look after the planet. But very, Mm. very, very interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. Particularly in light of our Bible study. Yeah, it ties into our topic that we're getting into later for sure. Yeah, just in case uh, people are just joining us for the first time, remind us what that topic is. Yeah, the series that we're walking through together is called Climate and the Christian. And so last time, so two weeks ago today, we talked about the the duty that um, that humanity has to take care of the environment. God wants us to care for the environment. He wants us to cultivate it and, you know, garden and grow. Um, and then the third thing is uh, that he wants us to, what was the third thing? <laughs> Forgotten. Sorry, everybody. After this break, we'll, no, I'm just kidding. Well, after the break, I will, uh, I will definitely let you know. Things. The third thing was, so we care for it. We need to care for the, environment we need to cultivate it and like create with it and then the last thing is we need to commune yes commune with it so yeah. we can actually commune with god through nature yeah you were paying attention last time <laughs> Amazing. so we commune with god through nature because it's his great second book there's so mm-hmm. many object lessons in nature god 
gives us. But we do have a duty and responsibility. God gave it to Adam and Eve, and he wants us to care for the environment as well. And so it's definitely an important thing to do. But a lot of what we see today done in the name of the environment is actually push for selfish gain or political power in one direction or another. And so there are a lot of agendas behind the scenes of certain movements. And, you know, we need to be careful as Christians what we get involved in when we can't really see the foundation of what is motivating that movement. But anyways, we'll definitely get into more headlines uh, along okay. these lines of uh, what's happening in the world regarding climate. I look forward to that because I, I know that this was going to be a three-part series, wasn't it? That's right. But uh, we've made it two-part series. Yep. So I'm guessing you might share a little bit of what I might will. have been number two. All those okay. headlines from part two, I'm squeezing into part three that we'll get amen, through today. Amen, amen. So. Well, I only have one more article here unless you have another one. No. All right. So we're saving more for the Bible study. <laughs> right. um, this is just something that uh, I'm sure you'll have a good comment on this one, Justin. Uh, this is from yesterday. Pope Francis approves Brazilian surfer for sainthood. And wow. Yeah. Could this uh, person go? Okay. Here we go. Can you try and say that thing? The surfing saint. This name, this, this name. I think it's Guido Schaefer. That's why I asked you to say it. Or Schaefer. Sounds much more. Um, Authentic. Uh, this this man died while surfing in 2009 in Brazil. He was a seminarian doctor, a surfer, and he was on his way. To, he's on his way to priesthood. Well, was on his way to priesthood before his untimely death. And now, known as the Surfer Angel, he could be immortalized as a saint. And I'm just going to quote here. It says here, according to a report from the Catholic News Agency, the Catholic Church is one step closer to canonizing a surfing saint. Pope Francis recognized the heroic virtue of Brazil's surfer angel uh, in a decree issued by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints on Saturday. With the decree, Pope Francis declared that Schaefer was venerable. The church will now need to approve a miracle attributed to his intercession before he can be beatified. So this could be the first ever surfing saint. <laughs> now, uh, I just bring that up because the Bible talks about saints quite a bit. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and the interesting thing is, um, if you open up to the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses it to the saints at the church of Corinth. Yeah, let me do that. And so, yeah. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm assuming. Should be there. Or Second Corinthians, but I'm pretty sure it's First Corinthians that includes that word in Paul's introduction. Yeah, let's try Second Corinthians them. while we're there. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter one, the Bible reads here. Actually, yep, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Mm. Now, if you go through 1 Corinthians, chapter 5 tells us that there was a dude sleeping with his stepmom, mm. like openly in the church. And like it was a mess. The church of Corinth was a mess. There were a lot of people who were living unholy lives. Like, And Paul was writing, answering their questions because while God called them out of that, um, surrounded by the culture, they'd started to be affected and different people had started to, you know, um, fall back into the ways of the world, and some never fully left, perhaps. Uh, but Paul calls them saints. Mm. Amazing. So mm -hmm. saints are not people that are so holy and so perfect that, you, you know, they receive sainthood. Well, <laughs> yeah, we never pray to people in the Bible as Christians. Uh, but not only that, the word saint 
is never used in the singular in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's always used in the plural. So it means the holy ones, those who are set aside, those who've given their lives to God, the followers of God. Simple. Never do we find the word saint in the singular like so-and-so is a saint mm -hmm. or so-and-so has been made a saint. And certainly, um, as, uh, you know, as is taught uh, by Catholicism and I think Eastern Orthodox uh, Church as well, if memory serves me right, we don't need to pray to them as people, uh, as saints, because first of all, they're asleep in the sleep of death. The mm -hmm. Bible says, calls death sleep 52 times. But in addition to that, the Bible says in First Timothy that we have one mediator um, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And mm. I think that's First Corinthians, First Timothy, chapter six, um, uh, if memory serves yes. me right. Well, as you're going there, I'm going to First Timothy two five, and that's the one you're looking for. For there is one God oh, and one mediator one. between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. That is the verse. Um, yes. 1 Corinthians 6.16 says God alone has immortality. Well, so. that's exciting, isn't it? That That's a powerful verse for us to finish right there on because we can go straight to Jesus. That's right. In, and we can go straight to God. Don't have to go to the surfing saint. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to listen to T-Vac now, and they're going to bring us a beautiful song, All Praise to Thee.
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You have questions you need answered? The popular question of the day segment has moved. Lyle Southwell will answer every Bible question you have on his new time spot Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Faith FM. During the afternoons with Shell program. So send your questions to info at faithfm.com.au or text us at 04-888-8856. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. I look to you. to the Looking Up program and Justin and I are just about to begin the Bible study here but before we do another announcement we have a prize giveaway today we have five copies of this prize giveaway so it's going to the first five people who text in the code word which is still coming but again just a reminder there's a little book coming it's entitled Plants That Heal and you can look at a collection of information on how to harness the medical potential of plants while avoiding the dangers of toxicity and you'll learn in this book how to distill essences for aromatherapy how to prepare herbal teas and fermentation and even about special plants that benefits the eyes, nerves, mouth, throat, heart, arteries, veins, blood, lungs, stomach, liver, intestines, and skin. Plants that age in digestion even and fight infection. This is a book that is very relevant to us today in a world where there are so many things that can cause you to be sick. You want to know how you can use plants to heal. So anyhow, we'll give you the code word in just a minute and the number that you want to text to is zero four triple eight one seven six two four, and I give you that number also because we'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or questions that you'd like to contribute to in our program, we would just enjoy hearing from you. So before we enter that Bible study, I I remembered and Justin reminded me that Pastor Danny had sent us an email of an article that he thought we might like to mention on air today. It's um, from Pauline Hansen's One Nation Party and it's entitled, Are There Two Biological Sexes? And this is from May 18, 2023. And here it is. This is what the news article says. In a move that has stirred intense interest, South Australian One Nation member Sarah Game has made a motion. She did this on the 3rd of May for her colleagues to vote on whether they agree that there are only two biological sexes. The move also asks members to acknowledge the historical acceptance of two genders as common knowledge and the role of essential gendered language in society. Why is she making the motion well it comes in response to the recent removal of gender specific terms from the rules of procedure in the lower house which has received negative community feedback Mm. game claims that her motion will clarify where elected members stand regarding gender and gendered language she believes it is part of a politician's job to stand up for the views of the people who elected them and that goes on but i just thought isn't that interesting we live in a time where we actually have to vote on a motion that agrees 
on whether there are two biological sexes. Hmm. I mean, even at the molecular level, it's very clear. You know, on that note, talking about the molecular level, there was a, a video that's gone viral. I saw it reposted and kind of there was commentary on it by uh, another person. But this guy was doing this. Um, he was up on a platform and he was basically sharing with a, a group and asking questions. And his point was that a man, a biological man, can choose to become a woman and they are a biological woman. And this woman came up and said, I disagree. Mm. And um, so he was giving them opportunity. Do you agree or disagree and why? And she said, I disagree. And he said, why? She said, I'm a molecular biologist. Mm. And she said, gender is something that you begin developing into as an embryo. Mm-hmm. So you cannot change it through surgery or hormones or anything else. You're still biologically going to be that gender. And so, yeah, very true and, and very significant point. And, oh, man, we could have shared this in the news segment. I guess we are. This is news again. But it was horrific what she shared. She said that in the United States, in California, sadly my home state, that the prisons there, men can get out of a male prison, biological men, no hormones, no surgery, nothing, just by saying, I'm a woman, I identify as a woman. So legally, I guess, they, oh, they, move, they have to this. move them out of the men's prison into women's prisons. And the tragedy is, now you have women falling pregnant to rape in women's prisons. Oh, because terrible. biological men who claim to be women are forced into their rooms as their, their cellmates and... I mean, absolutely atrocious. It's, it's mm. horrible. Like these things are, women are being totally taken advantage of and erased. Women's sports, kiss it goodbye in so many different fields. Swimming, in college sports, women work so hard for, for years and years. They're competing at the top of their field and then they're just basically erased by biological men who can't beat the other men in their field. And I'm not saying that's their motivation to say I'm a woman, but whatever their motivation, they're, you know, smashing the biological females because of their physiological different structures and advantages and it's mm-hmm. it's wrong yeah you know even and i'm gonna try and express this and you might have to make it the expression better but i remember when we were studying his, ancient history and you go to like the remains of pompeii for example you can tell the remains of a person based on their mm-hmm. bone structure like if it was yeah not their, just bone structure but their dna you can tell DNA, if you um, can tell if it was male or female that's right that's right you can't tell any other that's all you can tell. That's right. Interestingly <laughs> enough, you can't tell ethnicity, to my knowledge. Maybe you can now with some of the technology we have now. But um, gender is actually deeper than ethnicity. Your genetic differences between a male and a female, biological male and biological female, are, are incredibly more complex than your differences and mine through pe- than pe- compared to people of other uh, ethnic backgrounds but of the same gender. And yet, when you talk to somebody, most people in today's culture, um, because of the ideologies that are being spewed out there through the media and such, um, when you speak to them and say, you know, can I say that I'm a woman? Like if, and they'd say, well, yeah, you know, if you want to identify as a woman, that's fine. It's like, okay, can I say that I'm, that I'm Hispanic? Can I say that I'm <laughs> black? Uh, they'd say, ah, uh, No. <laughs> and so if you can't identify as a different ethnicity and ethnicity has less differences biologically than gender, then how can you identify as a different biological sex and everyone is okay with it? Mm-hmm. There's some 
inconsistency and logic there yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, that was an article that Pastor Danny thought we would like to raise for. It'd be very interesting to see what happens in that party. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, I think that brings us uh, time for our Bible study and just. Keep listening, folks. We'll give you that code word. It's coming. Okay. Shall we open with prayer? Yeah, let's. Okay, I'll pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the chance to study your word as we look around us in the world and try to make sense of what we see. And as we see the clarity in your word and in Bible prophecy, we pray that it would point us clearly to Jesus and to the hope of his soon return Mm -hmm. and the hope of his transformation in our lives even now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Just a few headlines uh, when it comes to climate. This is called, this Bible study is called um, the the final conflict climate connection. Mm -hmm. So the Bible describes Earth's final conflict in Revelation 13. How might it be connected to climate? Let's see. Yahoo News recently. Sharissa, you want to read this headline for us? Yeah, it says, Climate time bomb is ticking. UN report warns world running out of time to reverse effects of climate change. Mm, All right, so we see a lot of this in the media with these, you know, doom and gloom headlines. And um, I'm not saying that they're wrong. Last time we discovered together that the Bible says that the earth is growing old like a garment, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so... um, does fracking and drilling for oil and all the things we're doing to the planet, does it affect the environment at all? Absolutely. Well, I'm sure it does, yeah. Would changing it all and switching to electric vehicles, where we still have to get electricity from somewhere, but if we switch all of that and we cut our carbon emissions, will it stop the direction and the downward trend of Earth falling apart? No. Probably not. Actually, no. We see that it will uh, continue to. Could it slow it down? Yeah, that's possible. Um, But... What we see is, and uh, in message number two, we would have seen that, you know, there are so many other factors behind the scenes. The world is truly falling apart, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's all heading toward the end of time. And the Bible says that God respects our freedom of choice, and when we reject His Spirit, He withdraws from us. And he, when He with yeah, go ahead. I think was it you that said this recently? He's a gentleman. Yeah. Like God never forces his way into our lives. He's he knocks always... on the door of our hearts. He yeah. doesn't it's kick Revelation down the door. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And so some of the natural disasters, it's it's actually because of the rejection of God that um, he's withdrawing his presence in respect for the decisions that have been made by so many. And natural disasters follow suit where we know Satan actually has the ability to send natural disasters. Mm. Book of Job. Chapter 1, sent mm-hmm. a whirlwind and fire from heaven and destroyed, killed his children, destroyed all the animals. And um, we see that Satan has this ability as much as God allows, right? And so it all boils down to our freedom of choice. But um, King Charles, in his, his speech, um, what speech was this again? Commonwealth Day speech. Yeah, he and he's a big from, fan of uh, climate change. Yeah, he is. He is. Activism, yeah. Definitely. And there's this guy. Macron. Yeah, Macron. <laughs> That's it's a, no, <laughs> a French speaker would think that was atrocious, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, President Macron of France said um, that the end of abundance and tough times are ahead. Mm. So it's the end of abundance and we have tough times coming. So we see this common lingo amongst uh, leaders. This one. 
She obviously wanted to read this one for us. UN warns world is speeding down a, quote, highway to hell as COP27 leaders open two weeks of talks in resort town. Yeah, a little bit ironic because they all flew there in private jets using a lot of mm-hmm. fuel. I'm sure, yeah, they weren't battery-powered planes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, highway to hell. That's where we're heading, according to the United Nations leading up to that meeting. And then in COP27, this is what uh, one of the leaders, the Secretary General of um, yeah, the UN, Antonio Rod- Gutierrez, said, The science is clear. Any hope of limiting temperature rise to 1.5 degrees means achieving global net zero emissions by 2050. But that 1.5 degree goal is on life support and the machines are rattling. Mm. Ah, pretty scary lingo. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) definitely. And um, here, ABC News, you want to read this headline for us? The IPCC. This was was in March, two months ago. Um, International... Something Something for climate change. It's down below, but yeah. Okay. The IPCC has delivered the definitive report on climate change and what needs to be done to avoid disaster. Yeah. International or intergovernmental panel on climate change. Wow. So they said the world is in deep trouble on climate change, but if we really put our shoulder to the wheel, we can turn things around. Hmm. And so there's always this sense of hope. This is, it's all going to fall apart. But if we, we all rally it. together, we can stop it. We can do it. Yeah. And so there's this push in a certain direction. Why? Well, it's a mixture of motivations. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting today that every person who's pushing for climate activism and climate change has ill motives. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly we would be naive to think that none do. And that none of the leaders and governments using this for pushing and prying and pulling uh, don't have an agenda um, behind the scenes. Um, but you look at the goals, like the 17 goals to transform our world, sustainable development goals. These all look great, don't they? Mm-hmm. No poverty, zero hunger, good health and well-being, quality education, uh, affordable and clean energy, gender equality, decent work and economic growth, um, clean water and sanitation, industry innovation, you know, reduced inequalities, like all of these things. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, on the surface. But how do you define yeah. these things, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we get there? And at what cost is the question? We kind of mentioned this last time. Sharissa, you want to read this one? This is from Sydney Morning Herald, by yes, the way. So it is. Climate change should be recorded on death certificates, doctors argue. We talked about this. I remember when this came out and we talked about it on uh, air. There you go. Like, so 2020, that was what they said. Yeah. In uh, just a few years ago. And then The Hill, the website The Hill, uh, said coming soon, climate lockdowns. Mm. And I know you and Danny have talked about those in past uh, episodes of Looking Up. I mean, imagine being stuck in your home. There's no pandemic. Don't have to wear a mask when you go to the store. Um, But the reason? Well, climate lockdowns. And we talked about uh, just before in the news about what's happening in France where they yes you can't fly and That's right. unless it's a flight of over two and a half hours mm. otherwise you may as well catch a train or drive That's what yeah. they want people to do yeah very interesting they're already kind of implementing mm-hmm. some of those things and they've talked as well and i know you guys have spoken about smart cities and mm-hmm. um not only smart cities rather but uh what is it with the 15-minute cities, is it? 15-minute cities. Where everything that you 
go to on a daily basis needs to be within 15 minutes of you? And I should say, I was reading about this um, again just the other day, and they're calling that a conspiracy theory. Some news stations call mm. it a conspiracy theory. But at the same time, they say we should see that as something really positive because people are using it to say, oh, you're only going to be able to travel 15 minutes. But then they say we should actually want our cities to be that way. That's what the articles <laughs> are saying. It's very interesting what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the tendency is, you know, uh, as in many crises in, in history, here's my freedom, take my freedom, give me safety. Mm. And that's kind of the idea that's uh, being pushed. Oh, there's so well. much to keep talking about, but let's listen to this beautiful song. Uh, True North is going to bring it to us. It's called He Talks to Me. So let's be blessed by this song. I sit along the riverbank, the water rolls on by, a multitude of color now paints the evening sky. A songbird sets her closing song adrift upon the air, and the melody surrounds my heart. I feel my Jesus He's come to talk to me in this quiet place Where all of life has slowed from its busy pace And things that might have passed me by So quietly now catch my eye And I can hear my Jesus Come and talk to me There's a fragrance now upon the wind From the meadow just around the bend The dew begins to form upon the far side of the shore As evening turns into the night The stars begin to shine so bright And in my heart I know He's come to talk to me I enter now within his house His love it overflows I hear a voice that calls to me This voice I've come to know I lift his name in song and praise Cling unto his word And when I leave this worship place It is his voice I've heard He's come to talk to me In this quiet place Where all of life has slowed From its busy pace Things that might have passed me by So quietly now catch my eye And I can hear my Jesus Come and talk to me Oh Jesus with an open heart I listen quietly Come and talk to me
was a beautiful sound. True North bringing to us He Talks to Me. And you're listening to the Looking Up program. It's a live broadcast today on the 24th of May. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Newcastle. Sun is setting soon. And we're going to give away the code word because we have five prize giveaways today for the first five people to text in this code word. And I know some of you have been waiting. We got your texts. So the code word is... LU23 climate. That's the code word. So if you text in. No, that was last time. That week. was last one. Last time. Okay, what's the code word? <laughs> That's what's on the page. LU23. Sorry, it's supposed to be change. Oh, there you change. go. LU23 change. <laughs> so there you go. If you text the letters LU, the numbers 23, and the word change to this number, 0488817624, then this book, if you're one of the first five people, Plants That Heal, will be coming to you. It's all about how before there were drugs, there was nature, and seeing how you can harness plant power to help you fight disease and be healed. So that's again the code word, LU23CHANGE, uh, not climate, LU23CHANGE. And the number zero four triple eight one seven six two four. If they do climate, then they might still get last week's off. Oh, there you go. There's a little hint there, right there. And here come our nice. faithful listeners texting in. That's great. Nice, awesome. And if you didn't get last week's book, <laughs> I think <laughs> Shell just mentioned that you may even be able to get last week's if you send in climate as well. There you go. That's uh, very good. Oh, there's a few of. Um, we'll get that um, fixed. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we, um, we've been talking about uh, climate in the news and some headlines there for where people believe, uh, you know, that the, the world is heading based on climate change. We've seen that the Bible says that the earth is growing old like a garment. Mm -hmm. And in Romans 8, it talks about how the earth is, is groaning and yearning, as it were, to, to be recreated. You know, the animal kingdom is suffering death and pain. Um, so many things in this world are not as they were designed by God to be because of sin. But it won't last forever. The good news is that God will create a new heaven and a new earth mm. where righteousness will dwell. In other words, every good thing. And the climate won't change. And the climate won't change. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we're going to back up a little bit. And our, our study is called uh, The Final Crisis climate connection. So we've talked a bit about climate according to a few headlines. We're now going to shift gears a bit and take a look at the final crisis just a little bit uh, from Revelation chapter 13. But first of all, the United States, Shell and I are American, but I have to say we have some wacky, weird <laughs> laws out there. In Hawaii, it's illegal to place a coin in your ear. In Connecticut, by law, a pickle must be able to bounce. Interesting story behind that one, how that came about. Um, some guys were making pickles with like some chemical that was killing people, and they, they found that they didn't bounce. So they said, okay, pickles have to bounce. Wow. Um, in my home state of California, uh, it's illegal to whistle for a lost canary before 7 a.m. <laughs> in Iowa, you can't throw a brick onto a highway. That's a good one. That's law. a pretty good one. Um, the fact that you even need a law for that's crazy. In South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory. In Vermont, it's illegal for women to wear fake teeth without their husband's approval. And in Arizona, it's illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. 
And so these are legitimate laws on the law books, and they are hilarious. But less comical than these were some of the laws of the Puritans legislating morality um, and essentially trying to keep people in God's good graces. And they would do things like whip, whip people for swearing in public. They locked a sea captain in the stocks for kissing his wife after being away for three months when he came back and kissed her in public. Mm-hmm. And... Um, even more concerning than these were the laws that regarded worship. So, yeah, the first of these laws um, was in 1610 in Virginia. So this is before the United States was officially formed. And it said that if you missed church twice, you were publicly to be whipped. The third time, you were put to death. And so, yeah, wow, three strikes and you're out, mm. like, killed. Crazy. Um yeah, these laws that are, you know, regarding worship are known as Sunday blue laws because of the blue paper that they were originally written on. And so very interesting that these still sit on America's law books. And you may think, well, yeah, but who really cares? You know, that was three or four hundred years ago. True. And they may be inactive and, uh, you know, on the books and not really implemented, um, but will it always be that way? You know, might it be that Sunday laws, uh, Sunday blue laws are lying dormant but are like a volcano and you never know when it might portray its power again. And prophecy actually predicts the almost unthinkable. And that's that the United States, a Christ-like nation described as a lamb in Revelation 13, uh, would from, it, from its founding separate religion and government separate church and state but they would it would eventually pass laws to enforce worship mm. and so revelation 13 sure it's kind of a long passage but a powerful one would you read yeah. verses 11 to 15 for us uh, revelation 13 11 to 15 yes please sure here the bible says then i saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed he performs great signs so that he makes he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived uh, to which which number uh, the next verse, the last one. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Wow, okay. So the Bible here describes this beast power, and a beast in Bible prophecy is a nation. And if you want greater detail on this, we did a whole series on this a few years back called America and the End, Sharissa and I and Lyle. And um, we kind of explain in greater detail and demonstrate how the U.S., the United States, is pictured by this lamb-like beast Mm -hmm. with two horns that looks like a lamb and speaks like a dragon. And the Bible says that eventually that um, that this an image to the beast would be raised up. That is the first beast of Revelation 13, which is the sea beast that comes up out of the water, and uh, that this image of the beast would essentially 
both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And just as uh, just a little side note there for our listeners, if you're listening and you think, ah, I want to look up that series that Justin just mentioned, it's actually on the uh, Faith FM app. Ah, excellent. Uh, you look there it up in the podcast or on the website and you just scroll through the podcast programs and America and the end is right there. Excellent. Thank you so much. So glad it's all there uh, in Faith FM. So the United States started out with uh, a very, very different mindset. They said, we want a country without a king and a church without a pope mm-hmm. because they saw the atrocities and the persecution that came, re- the religious persecution from Europe, right? Yeah, they fled the old world yeah. for the new that's right. That's right. And um, interestingly, I didn't know until like coming here to Australia that uh, I knew it as My Country, Tis of Thee. Shell, maybe you knew it too. The song My Country, Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty of the I Sing. It's actually to the tune of God Save the King. Um. <laughs> I didn't even know the tune of God Save the King as an American. But that song, it's so epic because the last part... The last verse says, Our Father's God to thee, mm-hmm. author of liberty, mm-hmm. to thee we sing. Um, long may our land be blessed with freedom's holy rest. Um, protect us. Oh, long may our land be blessed with freedom's holy... No. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God our King. Mm. And so the founders of America, because of the you know, the pains that they had gone through in persecution, they said, we want a country without a king and a um, church, church without, without a pope. And so, and biblically, you know, following the Bible, they said, we're going to have a healthy separation between church and state, mm-hmm. between government and religion. And so they said in the First Amendment to the Constitution, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So the Founding Fathers of America, they were familiar with the crimson chapters of history, and they knew that that millions of people had been killed for simply not worshiping as the prevailing church-state power prescribed. And so they recognized as well the Bible, in the Bible, never once did God's people have a king who was also a priest. Why do you think God would have done that? Ah, you've stumped me there. Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because inevitably, when you have someone who passes laws and absolute someone who's power. a spiritual leader, mm. yeah, it's absolute power, but then legislating morality ends mm. up happening, right? Of you course, start passing laws course, about how people have to worship and what they can believe, what they can't believe. And this is something that is dangerous because, you know, the Bible teaches that as long as, you know, while, while you shouldn't uh, worship other gods and do these things, as long as your faith doesn't lead you to harm other people, you should be free to practice your beliefs however you so choose, right? So God honors freedom of choice. And the founding fathers, they knew this, and they recognized the absolute importance of this this wall of separation between church and state, as Thomas Jefferson called it. So in 1947, Justice Hugo Black, while ruling a court case, reminded everyone in Thomas Jefferson's words that there was there there was a wall of separation between church and state and then he added strongly that this wall must be kept high and impregnable mm-hmm. but sadly just 43 year, years later 1990 supreme court justice antonin scalia um what did he say sharissa if you want to read that uh he said that religious liberty is a luxury that we can no longer afford <laughs> 
Wow. Just like, 43 years. Like a Kit years. Kat bar, huh? <laughs> a luxury we can no longer afford. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty scary that instead of a God-given right, it was called a luxury. And so the the ideology shifted rather quickly. Um, now, believe it or not, as time has gone on, uh, and Revelation chapter 13 talks about how this mark of the beast will be forced upon people and those who don't receive it eventually will die. They'll be put to death. Mm-hmm. It won't happen like that straight away. There will be mounting pressure to try mm-hmm. to convince as many people to receive the mark. And the Bible says that this mark has to do with worship, doesn't it? It does. It says, um, yeah, if anyone worships the beast and his image, he will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. That's in the third angel's message in Yeah, so that's like 14. A, a, warning a warning from God that nobody should take it, no beast. matter the pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so... The Bible describes this final conflict, and it describes also the seal of God. And those are the two opposites. Revelation is a book of opposites, isn't it? Where there's, you know, there's the the harlot woman, and there's the pure woman. Revelation twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah, a word, that's not opposites, but contrast. Yeah, thank you. There's the dragon, and there's the lamb, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, there's city of Jerusalem, New and Jerusalem, Babylon. And Babylon. Yeah, exactly. And there's the mark of the beast and the seal of God. And so everyone who doesn't receive the mark of the beast at the end of time will have the seal of God. They'll be sealed with the seal of God. And those who don't receive the seal of God will choose to take the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so the Bible paints this picture in Revelation chapter 13. And it's, uh, it makes clear that there's going to be the biggest struggle that planet Earth has ever seen. It's like Satan's final attempt to sweep as many people out take as many people out with him as possible, the whole world will be polarized into two groups. Those who will follow God no matter the cost and those who will take the mark of the beast and essentially become beast-like and are either deceived or intentionally doing it. And so, yeah, we're grateful that God will be victorious in this crisis. Amen. Well, let's enjoy Alison Brooke now, the Sparrow Song, and we will continue with more after this.
precis Even the least of these You are listening to Alison Brooke, The Sparrow Song, and this is the Looking Up program on Faith FM. And we're coming to you live May 24, and... It is an exciting Bible study that we're having, but I just want to make a comment on that last song. Isn't it a beautiful mm. truth to know that God sees the least of these? And if his eyes on the sparrow, as the song says, we know mm. that he watches over us. Amen. I Amen. always think of that when I see the little birds, the little sparrows flying yeah. around. Me too. God knows those birds and he knows me. Well, we are enjoying a Bible study at the moment. And uh, should I share this now or should I wait for a good segue Maybe I'll wait. Yeah, we'll come to it yeah, in just you, you a second. Yeah, you tell me when. So, just before the break, yes. we kind of left with a bit of a cliffhanger, talking about the final crisis in Earth's history, where the world would be polarized into two groups. There's the mark of the beast and the seal of God. We know it has to do with worship, and mm-hmm. it has to do with the law of God, as uh, that has been. Uh, those have been the centers of the great controversy down through time. And just to, if anyone's interested, just to prove what Justin said is true, they should get their Bible, look at Revelation 13, and highlight every time you see the word worship. Yeah. Highlight it in Revelation 13 and 14. You'll be surprised. That's right. And there in Revelation 13, um, the second half especially, it, it tackles every single one of the first four commandments mm-hmm. of the Ten Commandments. True. And so it's clearly a battle of over God's law um, and over worship because Satan has always wanted worship. Mm-hmm. He said in Isaiah 14, you know, I will ascend above the stars of God. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. So mm-hmm. he wanted to be worshipped, essentially. And um, the question comes, well, what is it? What is the mark of the beast going to be? You ready for it? Yeah, yeah. The mark of the beast is going to be, notice I said going to be, no one has the mark of the beast yet. Yes. Enforced Sunday worship. Hmm. So we saw it in in early America, in colonial America, where there were all these Sunday laws. You have to go to church, otherwise you're going to be punished and this kind of thing. This was a a re-echoing of what happened in the early centuries of uh, of history. In the year 321, Emperor Constantine enforced the first Sunday law where you could not open your store and do business, secular business on the Sunday. But it was the venerable day of the sun where Christians and pagans came together and they worshipped essentially. And uh, then some decades later, there was another level of this where you had to worship on a Sunday like we see the blue laws like Mm -hmm. we read earlier. And then the last was you could not rest or not work on God's seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday. And so this was the progression that it took in the early centuries. And the Bible tells us that the final crisis will be um, over the Sabbath because it's all about God as our creator and worshiping God and resting in the good news that we're saved by grace through faith, Mm. not by works, not by anything we can do, but Ezekiel 20 verse 12 tells us that it is a sign that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. God says. That's what the Sabbath is about. And so, yes, the Bible says that there will be a resurgence of these these laws um, regarding worship on Sunday. Interesting. Um, now, you shared something in the break that you found that was yeah, pretty interesting I on this note. This is like a fun As fact. a true sweet tooth person huh. that you are, it, it's very appropriate. Thank you, love. 
Uh, this is a fun fact. According to the Dairy Alliance, the Sunday, the ice cream Sunday, uh, was probably the result of the blue laws in the U.S. A prohibition on selling alcohol on a Sunday, which is what you've been talking about, Justin. In the late 1800s, drinking soda was also seen as shocking and depraved in some states, meaning this was banned too. As a result, pharmacies with soda fountains saw a dip in business on that day, as they couldn't serve ice cream floats for fear of the law. So the solution. Ice cream without the soda, maybe with some chocolate syrup and cherry on top to liven it up, and voila, the ice cream sundae was born. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Uh, fascinating. Yeah. So something good actually came out of the... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something... That- you may be, our listeners may be wondering, Sharissa, they may be thinking, you know, maybe an old state law here or there, these old blue laws, yeah, maybe, but... A Sunday law in all of America? Nah, it could never happen. And one that would be rippling around the world even? Yeah, where the other countries would follow suit. People may be thinking, no way. Only well, COVID does that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there actually. Okay. You know, it, it nearly did. Mm-hmm. Like a Sunday law, a national Sunday law actually nearly happened in yeah. the year 1888. Yeah, fascinating. Um, there was a large push by the temperance unions and the Christian churches to get work on Sunday to be forbidden by law. Mm -hmm. And they finally gained support of a senator named Henry Blair. And on May 21, he proposed to the United States Senate bill number 2983 called the Sunday Rest Bill. And this is what it read. A bill to secure to the people the enjoyment of the first day as a day of rest and to promote its observance as a day of religious worship. So it said that people would be allowed, wouldn't be allowed to work or have certain types of recreation and so forth. But there was a man named Alonzo T. Jones. He was a history professor at Battle Creek Adventist College in Michigan, which is now Andrews University. And um, Jones appeared before the U.S. Senate and argued as to why such a law would be unconstitutional and actually dangerous. Hmm. So he spoke at length and you can find you can find um, this speech, like video, like a reenactment of it on YouTube. You can find the entire speech word for word um, online. But speaking at length, he carried on, although being interrupted by the chair 169 times within 90 minutes. Wow. That's almost twice a minute. He was interrupted <laughs> and he just calmly, courteously continued on. And he explained why it would be unconstitutional and dangerous because the trajectory of American history was similar to that of ancient Rome. And he explained how the progression of Sunday laws in the 4th and 5th centuries worked to eventually bring about the uniting of church and government that characterized medieval Europe, which brought all of its horrors along with it. So in the end, thankfully, praise God, the power and clarity of Jones's arguments prevailed and the bill was voted down. And so that was uh, about you know 135 years ago. But there have been pushes for Sunday legislation even since then. I remember reading an article on Faith FM here about this during COVID where they were saying bring back the blue laws. Yeah, I was going to share a bit of that. You can read that for us in just a minute. Just before we get to there, even a while longer, it was like 1976. So this is what 52 years ago. Um, The editor of Christianity Today, Harold Lindsay, said all businesses – including gasoline stations and restaurants, gasoline is petrol, uh, including gas stations and restaurants, should close every Sunday by force of the legislative fiat through the duly elected officials of the people. And so that was like 50-some years ago. But, yeah, during the pandemic, check this out. Sharissa, maybe read that article clip. It was from a guy named Casey Chalk. 
in uh, a magazine called Crisis Magazine, and the article was called Bring Back the Blue Laws. All right, this is the quote. It says, During America's finally abating coronavirus quarantine, our nation, at least outwardly, seemed to have gained a more noiseless, contemplative, reviving, reviving spirit. Now, in the terrible wake of murder, protests turned arsonist riots and looting, not so much. Nevertheless, Americans in those early quarantine days, after the haze of their Netflix binge had evaporated, woke up with a surprised appreciation for what earlier generations had considered normal, Sunday laws, otherwise known as blue laws. As America returns to normality, we should consider these laws and their manifold benefits afresh. Wow. There you go. There you go. Sunday blue laws, we should consider implementing them again. And he goes on to explain that it's not just Christians who would benefit from Sunday laws coming back, but everyone. In closing, he wrote, If promulgated in a prudent and focused way, that is Sunday laws, Sunday laws can cultivate virtue, strengthen neighborliness, and protect small businesses. Most importantly, they can help promote prayer and peace now when America needs them most. Wow. Now, once again, why was this significant? Because Revelation 13 says that this image to the beast, this church-state system, will create a law-making mandatory, like a law that makes mandatory a form of worship. And so that's what the Bible says clearly in Revelation 13. And um, You may, yeah. like, this is all really amazing uh, stuff, what we're talking about, and amazing how it's how the Bible said it so many thousands of years ago, and, and it's now we're seeing things head towards that fulfillment right now. I guess when you said that Sunday is the like enforced, enforced Sunday, Sunday worship, worship will yeah. be the mark of the beast, mm. I, um, our listeners might be wondering, how did you get to that point? And I was thinking a, a, a quick way for us to summarize it would be when you understand who the beast is, mm -hmm. then you just say, okay, when we identify who the beast is of Revelation 13, and there are two, there's a sea beast and an earth beast, but once you know who the sea beast is, then you just ask, well, does the sea beast of uh, Revelation 13 claim to have a mark of authority? Mm. And then you have your answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's absolutely right. In order to know what the mark of the beast is, you have to know what the um, beast is. And yeah, there's this... Um, there's a, a book called Plain Talk About Protestantism Today by a, a Catholic Church leader. And this is what they said. They said it was the Catholic Church um, which has transferred this rest to Sunday in remembrance of the resurrection of our Lord. So believing that you know Sabbath, God's Sabbath was changed from Sabbath to Sunday. Therefore, the observance of Sunday by the Protestants is a homage they pay in spite of themselves to the authority of, of the Catholic Church. Wow. And so there's another quote that uh, you yeah. could read for us, Sharissa. This is from the Catholic Record of London, in Ontario, September 1, 1923. And here's just a nice, simple sentence. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Mm. So it's just amazing, too, because if you look at Revelation 14 and that first angel's message, it's like a copy and paste job out of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth yeah, Commandment. Right. Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made. Mm. That's straight out of Exodus 20, 8 to, 8 to 11, the Sabbath yes. commandment. Yes. So God knows where things are heading, and He wants us to know and be prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And so, yeah, this is where Bible prophecy says that things will head. And 
is this happening around the world? Um, not only the United States, but other nations around the world have been taking steps toward fuller Sunday legislation over the last uh, 10, 12 years. Listen to this from our 2009 article. Effective January 1, 2010, Berlin must fall into line with the law institutionalizing Sunday as a day of rest and religious contemplation as contained in Germany's basic law, thetrumpet.com. Um, December 1, 2009. And so, you know, when laws like this are enforced, that it may change the outward conduct of people, but that can never change people's hearts. God doesn't work by force. He works by love and love awakens love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so God never forces people to worship him and neither should we. Um, you looked like there was something you wanted to share. I was just, I just out of curiosity because you said we're starting to see these things happen. So I just googled, you know, Sunday laws and mm. clicked news, and look, this was on uh, 28th of February this year. Croatia's Sunday closing law set to take effect. The government in Croatia wants to place more restrictions on Sunday shopping. Mm. I mean, there's just little things happening all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. Absolutely, and you said a key word there: little things. Like I have a list of different countries where there were. You know, not necessarily all majorly significant, some of them significant and others not as significant um, regarding Sunday. But it's interesting and significant that there's there's a tightening of legislation surrounding Sunday, shopping on Sunday, etc. Like from 2014 to 2016, we had Cyprus, Chile, um, the European Union, Poland, Brazil, uh, Hungary, Argentina, um, Archbishop of Milan, Germany, Hungary, Ikea in France was uh, actually convicted um, in July of 2014. Ikea in France was convicted of violating the Sunday rest law bill. Very interesting. And then Tongan bakeries in July of 2016 were banned from opening on Sundays. Hmm. And so there's just all around the world these little kind of movements here and there toward Sunday legislation but of course, uh, the major one will be from a push from the people um, who kind of insist on this law being being uh, you know brought out and uh, being passed because they want to return to God and return to morality. And this will happen really from the ground up in many respects in the United States first. And this is all related to the climate. Yep. And in our next segment, I'll be explaining uh. how. So now we've... We, We've got both pieces on the table. We've got the climate headlines we went through at the beginning of our time. And then we've now taken a look at the final crisis and what Bible prophecy says and kind of what we see happening around the world. And uh, we will get to the climate connection uh, between the two after our next. Is it a news break or just a song break? We do have the news as well. So, yeah, that's right. So we're going to listen to... um this song, I've never heard of this um, group before, but Stones of Eden. And the song is entitled Walk Amongst the Trees. After that, there will be the news. And then we continue where you're going to bring us all together with the Climate Connections song. Yes. Don't go anywhere. This is going to be good. Last 
everyone. You're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right. And if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun. So catch you then. program we are coming towards the end of our time which is sad because we've just been really enjoying it so justin i don't want to take any more of the time it's all right i'll let you keep going the, the bible study is called the final crisis climate connection so we've seen the final crisis is going to be one about worship and it will be about um worshiping god on his day and uh, or worshiping on the wrong day, which is the way that Satan would have us distracted, and that's receiving the mark of the beast. And so we saw that there's going to be, according to Bible prophecy, a resurgence of Sunday laws that begin in the United States of America and um, trickle their way through the rest of the world. We've seen that Sunday laws are kind of strengthening, um, though they're not all majorly significant ones. There are increasingly significant laws that are happening and being passed regarding Sunday all around the world. Now, how in the world is this Connected yes. to the climate. That's that is the question. Hear. Well, you might ask, how would America, you know, which is a, a mix of, you know, atheists, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Catholics, Christians, ever pass a law about Sunday worship or not being able to work? Well, they'd need to rally around a common cause. And it's amazing. Go ahead. Nothing brings us together like having a common enemy. <laughs> yes, like climate change. And it is incredible to see how caring for the planet is uniting the world. And I want to clarify again, we spent the whole time in the first study of this series talking about how um, God wants us to care for the climate. He gave that command to Adam and Eve, and it comes down to us as well. And so it is something very, very important uh, for us. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting to reduce your carbon emissions and take care of the planet that God has given us, so long as it doesn't lead to movements and things that are unbiblical, and so long as it doesn't lead to laws regarding worship. And before you think that's far-fetched, this was written in 2009. Listen, it's from The Guardian, and it's called Slow Sunday, The Simple Solution to Global Warming. Hmm. I quote, we cannot wait until governments are enlightened enough to legislate and cap the carbon emissions. Matters are urgent. We have to act now. Without any delay, one thing we can easily do to achieve this goal, we can declare Sunday to be a fossil fuel-free day or a low-carbon day or at least an energy-saving day. Very, very interesting. And then it says, it goes on, and... um they say, not long ago, Sunday used to be a day for rest, a day of spiritual renewal, a day for families to come together. But we have changed Sunday from a day of rest to a day of shopping, flying, and driving. However, in the context of excessive carbon dioxide emissions into the atmosphere, which are bringing catastrophic upheavals, we can and should restore Sunday to a day for Gaia, a day for the earth. This will be, uh, this will be good for our personal health as well as for the health of the planet. We will have time for our friends, time to play, time with our children, and time for the family. And that's the first argument, time for the family. And um, the or the second argument, 
um, is time for the family and for society. The first argument was for the sake of the environment. Hmm. And so these are Danny's favorite uh, topics. Yeah, really. he's missing out. <laughs> Marriage and the family and the environment. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the push that this is making. They say this. At a stroke, we can reduce 10% of our carbon emissions into the atmosphere by making Sunday a low-carbon day and at the same time make ourselves healthier and happier. Mm. Very interesting. And that was back in 2009. But have these kinds of suggestions stopped? Nah. In uh, April 1 of 2020, the new Boston Post said this. At least one change resulting from the quarantine could do wonders to reinvigorate our national sense of family, faith, and community. Let's give some serious thought to reinstating at least some of the time-honored Sunday closure laws, sort of a one-day-per-week modified stay-at-home request. Ah, just a request or a suggestion. What for? And they go on and say, such action would rededicate our society to the regular day of rest, family meals, civic associations, and religious observance. By rededicating each Sunday as a common day of rest, we would say that the life of America is much more than never-pausing commerce and ever-grinding bureaucracy. One might suggest that with today's coronavirus, we are, in a tragic and certain sense, reliving or going back in history. Mm -hmm. Another venerable aphorism often misattributed to Mark Twain says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. (laughs) Wow, fascinating. And truly, history is beginning to rhyme, isn't it? Yeah, very much we see this groundwork being laid for the image of the beast, the combination of church and state, and then eventually the mark of the beast. Amazing. You know, we were talking about this news article before in our news break, uh, well, in our news segment of the program about how they're saying now the WHO, World Health Organization, saying there's a a more deadly pandemic, a a greater pandemic than COVID. And look at where the world started trending during COVID as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. What will it do? As we continue in this trajectory. Absolutely. Brilliant point. And um, to quote CNN, CNN Rome in April of 2020, Pope Francis said the coronavirus pandemic is one of nature's responses to humans ignoring the current ecological crisis. Fascinating. He said COVID is, and in another quote, he said Mother Nature, essentially, it's like Mother Nature is taking revenge for the damage that we have done to her, which is very um, pagan type of Gaia, you know, Mother Earth kind of concept. Um, another one, a Catholic priest from the Philippines recent, well, in 2020 took up the same message saying, and I quote, so maybe one way to look at the current crisis, that is the coronavirus pandemic, is to see it as the planet's desperate demand for a Sabbath. Mm. Wow. Fascinating comment from a leading Catholic priest there in the Philippines. <laughs> and uh, it's not just um, priests, but Christian pastors too. Pastor Robert Field of the Bethel Baptist Church said in 2020, God is not pleased with what we have been doing to his day of worship. Therefore, he is shutting it down for a time. Perhaps with the loss of Sunday and the weeks ahead, we will begin to see its necessity and to stop fooling around with the fourth commandment. And you know, this pastor is right. We do need to stop fooling around with the fourth commandment if you're not keeping God's Sabbath holy. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Not the first day of the week. And so God even begins that commandment, of course, with the word remember. And um, Sharissa, this was a, another interesting one that we saw in the news recently, a news headline. 
Yeah, it's a, it, the headline reads, The Sabbath in an Era of Climate Change. Yeah, and that was recent. That was just a few months back. Wow. The Sabbath in the Era of Climate Change. And it says, We humans face a set of dire ecological crises, the results of many, um, you know, et cetera, and it goes on. And so, very, very interesting. Here's another one from the pandemic. Back to uh, COVID times. The um, mayor of Canada said, or a mayor in Canada said this. He said, quote, I quote, just putting this out there for consideration. Once we kick co- hashtag COVID-19's rear, I'd suggest that everything be closed on Sundays again so that we can appreciate the importance of what taking a pause in our busy lives really means. I think our body, mind, and soul will thank us. Very, very interesting that the voices started to swell um, this chorus during this time. Now, that's Protestants and Catholics, but what about Jews? You know, like mm. the Seventh-day Sabbath, like Saturday is Shabbat. It's big for them. Listen to this. The Jerusalem Times. Here is what religion catalyzed, and I'm quoting. Here is what religion catalyzed by the Jewish people can save um Here's where religion catalyzed by the Jewish people can save the planet. Because of Shabbat observance in Israel, greenhouse gas emissions are reduced by one third. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. He goes on and he says, if every denomination of Jewish people truly sanctified Shabbat as a non-consumer day of rest, and this example was followed by other faith communities, then Shabbat would save the Jewish people along with the entire planet. The real universal day of rest could cut greenhouse gas emissions by one seventh allowing our turbulent planet to calm back into balance. That's really the answer, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> if we really treated the Sabbath with sanctity and holiness and decided to, to rest on that day, it could make an impact in the planet, but it wouldn't solve all the issues of planet Earth. But still, it could make a positive impact potentially. Mm-hmm. But you would think, well, they're not budging off the seventh day of the week, right? But Israeli leaders in 2015 put forth a bill to propose making Sunday a day of rest. Did you know that? I did not. It didn't make it through, but um, it was put forth. 2014. 2015. 2015. Yeah, that's right. Well, what about Muslims? Their day of rest is Friday. Mm, that's a good yeah? question. Why don't you read this headline for us, Sharissa, from the Deccan Herald. It's a quote from the Deccan Herald back in, what was it, 1997? Uh, yes, it says here, it's stated before, Pakistan, a nation of... 120 million Muslims altered its day of rest from Friday to Sunday. Yeah. That was back in 1997. Yeah, incredible. So if one Muslim country did it, who's to say that others can't follow suit as well? 120 Muslim um, or people in the country. Now, what about atheists? Oh, man, this one is huge on the climate. Check this out. From greensabbathproject.net, it says this. Green Sabbath is a non-religious, non-political, and non-profit campaign which aims to raise awareness and to encourage people to help slow climate change by observing at least one carbon footprint-free day each week, on any day of the week. We call it, symbolically, a Green Sabbath day. <laughs> Very interesting. And I think, I think Rome is actually behind that website. I, ha- I think it's a, it's a Catholic website, if memory serves me right, but... Um, I mean, what kind of um, atheist that loves the planet would have a problem with that, right? Mm. Yeah, I could take a Tuesday or I could take a, you know, this day or that day. If Sunday works better for everyone. If why Sunday not? works better for everyone to have time for their families and companies and businesses all be on the same page. Then why not go that direction, right? And so amazing how these different headlines 
And um, these different uh, news it stories. It truly is a substitute for what God already made in the Sabbath because when we read the, the Sabbath commandment from God, it wasn't just for people. It was for the planet too. That's right. It? That's right. Yeah. And it, even the animals were to be at rest. God wanted us to rest. Ah, yes. It's beautiful, isn't it? On, in the fourth commandment, God says that you should do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. And so God says, I even want the animals in your home to rest. Everybody, everything. Have a day of rest and worship and communion with me and with each other. And so that's God's beautiful design for us. And we see that, you know, when, when religion, government, and uh, faith are combined, when church and state are combined, then morality well, morality should be legislated, like thou shalt not kill, right? But worship and matters regarding religion can begin to be legislated. Mm-hmm. And um, we and see worship that... Worship should be a voluntary heart response to exactly, God. Exactly. Absolutely. It should only always ever be a voluntary heart response to God. Just one last one, um, news headline here. It's an opinion article by Yosef Abrahamovitz. And um, he's a renewable energy innovator. And it's called For Our Sin of Emissions, 10 Plus One Climate Commandments. (laughs) And you see various articles like this that have come up. And this call to to come back to morality. We're destroying God's planet. We're far from God. And um, actually another one, the Jerusalem Post, is God punishing the United States of America? (laughs) That's the question that's been put out there. Why? For damaging the environment. And like we saw, God wants us to care for the environment. He's given it to us to care for. And the Sabbath, that's right, to be stewards of it, to to look out for it, to guard it, um, not to exploit it. And a lot of the things that we're suffering may be a result of that indeed. Uh, But God uh, desires us to return to the true worship of Him and the honoring of His true day of worship as a special time to spend with Him and with each other. Absolutely. I know you're going to have some more final thoughts to wrap up after we hear a song, but I just can't help but think, you know, this is in the book of Revelation and mm-hmm. the opening of Revelation, Revelation one one, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what Jesus wants us to know as we come closer to his soon return so that we can be prepared and, you know, not be scared by what's ahead, but be prepared and make sure that today our hearts are in his hands that we surrendered to him well chris rice is going to bring to us the song now belong fading memories ignored i crawled across the forest floor pool reflects an orphan child dirty lost alone and wild Fatherless and nameless still Fallen heart and broken will there ever be a place where I belong I cower neath the monster trees And try to stand on tired feet And gravity knocks me to the ground Where I give up Tears roll down I claw the dust and beg the end Curse the day that I began To hope there'd be a place
Chris Rice bringing to us belong, and we are finishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gone quick. Yeah, it always flies by, doesn't it? It does. For us, I don't know about for our listeners. That's right, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what would you like to share with us as we close? Ah, uh, well, maybe we could share the time, something that stood out to you, maybe. If you'd like to, to share first, I'll bounce it back to you. Unless <laughs> okay. you need a moment to think. No, um, I think just that last headline there, uh, I guess all of the last headlines that you just shared about how um, all these different people groups that may not see a vested interest in um, a Sunday would would actually find it something appealing to them mm. um, when you have this uh, common cause or common concern for the planet. Mm. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, really it gives me great confidence in God's word and in and you know we can trust an unknown future to a God who knows the future, mm. and we can trust our lives into His hands. Amen. Absolutely. I guess what what stands out to me every time that I study this is first of all when I when we think about the final conflict in Earth's history, it's like, oh yeah, I'll stand for God. You know, mm. I'm going to stand for God, no question. You know, absolutely, one hundred percent. And that's a, a wonderful attitude to have. But Peter had that same attitude, and that's he right. denied Jesus. And, um, you know, I, my invitation to everyone would be um, commit to, to stand for God then through all the ways you can commit to stand for God now. Absolutely. Like if we say, Lord, whatever you tell me, I will do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to follow you. Help me to walk with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we often, like some people say, lots of people are wanting to do great things for God. But... No one seems to be willing to do the little things. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote by Morris Vinden. Mm-hmm. He said, we, we tell God that we can brave the storms on a thousand seas and then we go and drown in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> like, to, yes. like it starts with being faithful to Jesus now. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. 
And so that's my invitation to you. That's our invitation to you today. It's been God's invitation to me. It's a reminder, Justin, I want you to be faithful to me in every step of your way. And if you fall, get back up. Take my hand. Let me pick you up. Keep walking with me because it's through the daily times of trouble now Mm -hmm. that God will strengthen us to stand for him and with him in the time of big time of trouble Mm -hmm. in the future, whether that time of trouble for Earth's history is in our lifetime um, or we have personal times of trouble. Absolutely. That reminds me, that's how Jesus finished his appeal with the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. The wise man built his house upon the rock and that building took time. And when the storm comes, when the crisis hits, then the character of the life that we have been building is revealed. Mm, If it's where is our foundation? Is it on the solid rock, on Jesus, Mm. on his word, on his promises, or is it on the shifting sands of society and culture and popular opinion, which as we have seen and we see every week Mm. cannot be trusted (laughs) that's right and if you've heard uh if you've heard some things for the first time today you've never seen them in the bible we haven't gotten to unpack everything that we have explained we've shown a basic foundation for it but if you've heard of the sabbath the seventh day sabbath for the first time and you've heard of you know kind of the mark of the beast crisis or you name it um for the first time and you want to learn more, we want to invite you to, to give us a text on our line, mm-hmm. call us, write us here at Faith FM. And we'd love to connect you with resources that can help you dig deeper into the Word of God Amen. to understand uh, what they have to say. Zero four triple eight one seven six two four. Do you want to quickly close us out with prayer? Sure, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your Word that is truly as a light that shines in a dark place. Not only is this world a dark place in many respects, Lord, but um, our hearts can be dark as well. And so we pray that the light of your word would continue to shine in our hearts and minds and continue to teach us and prepare us for an eternity with you. Mm. We love you. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. Uh, The Drive Time Show is coming on right now. And as we leave you, remember that fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always Always looks looks up. up. We'll see you and join you next week. Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up. When there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up. Don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea His love is always there for me Above all powers, above all kings, above all nations, and all creative things, above all wisdom, and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began, above all kingdoms. Above all thrones, above all
all wonders this world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified, laid behind a stone You live to die, rejected and alone Like a rose trampled on the ground You took the fall and thought of me above all Above all powers Above all kings Above all nations And all creative things Above all wisdom And all the ways of man Here before the world began Above all kingdoms Above all thrones Above all wonders This world has ever known Above all wealth And treasures of the earth There's no way to measure Crucified, lay behind the stone You live to die, rejected and alone Like a rose, trampled on the ground You took the fall, and thought of me Above all Crucified Laid behind the stone You live to die Rejected and alone Like a rose Trampled on the ground You took the fall And thought of me Above all, like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me. Above all.